All right, Michelle, well, we're here to do Halt and Catch Fire for season four. How's it going? It's going good. How's it going with you? It's good. I'm just trying to figure out how to do this. So I got 401 and 402, and the way I watched it, they blur- they blended right together. So I don't- did it do uh, that on the network? Did you watch it on the network? Um, I did. I did watch it. I taped it. And there's definitely a time that it ended. Uh, so, and the next one started, but they didn't make it very, very clear. Okay. But, but yeah, you could definitely. I think I know where it is, but I pointed out on my notes, so we'll, we'll figure it out. So are we going to like do the first one then do the second one? No, let's do them together. It's like one, it's all one damn story. Okay. So, you know, I was thinking, Michelle, as I was reading the forums and stuff about this show, a lot of people say that, like, season one started really slow and the show almost crashed and burned at the beginning. But I don't like when people tell me that because I thought this show started off great. I liked this show from season one when Joe ran over the armadillo (laughs) and and found Gordon and started cracking open the IBM computer. I I liked it from the get-go. Yeah, I didn't I didn't get that at all either. I I thought the beginning this show has captiva- has captivated me from the very first episode. I agree. Also, I thought the way they did this and put one and two together was just unbelievably brilliant. I always kind of wonder why they do that when they do that at the beginning and sometimes I can't really find a reason for them to do that. But in this one, episode one, the first episode seemed to me to be like catch-up episode, right? And it was it wasn't boring, but it was detailed. There was like a lot of details in it that you had to like follow and and it was a little bit, I hate to say tedious, but I thought that episode the first episode was a little bit tedious. And then we got into the second episode and you remembered why, you know, you were so, or I did, why I was so captivated by these actors. Yeah, I would say that maybe the writers over these four seasons have gotten better and they've gotten to know their own story a little bit better. And in that sense, it might be better. But I liked it from season one forward. I've always liked the music. I mean, maybe the music really kicked in for me in season two with the very beginning of season two. when I don't even know if you remember this, but they transitioned from Joe leaving Cameron's house and going to work and they played that icicle work song. And then it transitioned into mutiny being in that house kind of seamlessly. And then it's like a year later and Joe and Cameron are separate. But mutiny's wow. now in that house. That was when I heard that music and I saw that it just created kind of this buzz that I just really it reminded me how much I like the show. Well, um, and they kind of did that in this first episode, how they that that was pretty brilliant, how they would like walk from one room to another and time would change and the room would change and all that. I always try to go back and watch the previous season before we podcast. And this time I started having some second thoughts because like I was like making notes as I was going and I'm like in episode two and I'm just so frustrated of, of last season. And I'm so frustrated with Cameron at this point. She was like, just, just rubbing me the wrong way and everything she did. And she still does. She did in, in, in this season too, but I had made a note right here about how much I love the music. I didn't feel like last ep- or last season was particularly, you know, memorable as far as music goes until I got into it and it was just great. So it's funny that you said that, but there were so many little touching things in in uh 
this past season, uh, Gordon and Donna reconnecting that staycation that they had in episode five before Donna told him she didn't like camping and ruined his life. And it was so sad to go back and watch that scene, knowing how it turns out. It was just like really a sad, hard thing to watch, which was interesting to me. Uh, Cameron and Tom getting together and, you know, we all know how you felt about that and no bueno. And then Joe saying to Cameron, you know, you were happy for a moment. You thought the person standing close to you was the source. I've been there. And this is when Cameron came into his house, like in the middle of the night with a ring on her finger. And she's trying to get him to give Gordon credit for what he did for the antivirus. And then everything with Ryan, you know, I mean, you know, everything that went on with Ryan and how that was and how Tom was so terrible. I mean, they never portrayed him like that in the other episodes, but then or in the other seasons. But last season, you know, they brought him in and they're telling him these great, brilliant ideas. And he's just being horrible. He was always kind of a speed bump, though. He was always trying to slow down Cameron. And Joe is just a, a... you know, a sorcerer spinning these tales for all these people tricking and fooling and cheating people. So I, I don't, I think Tom was always pretty true to character. You know, he's kind of likable at first when he won Cameron over, but not much right. beyond that. He, he was always kind of a, when he came on the scene, it was like, uh, more, more Tom. But he was, it was hard to watch how ugly he was last time and how he was like willing to shut everything down for no reason. And of course, you know, we saw, well, I mean, there was a reason, but for no reason he knew he had. And then, uh, you know, Gordon, Gordon just being such an idiot in so many places in last episode. I mean, I just wrote Gordon is an idiot. That was my, that was like just this thing is, you know, he's trying to set Donna up with somebody else. He, he, he doesn't get any clues on anyone. He can't take any kind of subtle hint to anything. And then, And then, oh my gosh, the worst of the worst of the worst. I'm so frustrated. Cameron didn't want Donna in with this idea that was Donna's. And she's the one that brought them all together. And then Cameron bugs out. I mean, what the literal hell, right? Well, let's let's do the adjective game in current time, Michelle. It's a 401 here. And let's start with Gordon. So Gordon, I put, is happy. Happy but sick. You could tell he's sick. He's still spiraling from whatever's cooking in his head. Yeah, but he seems better to me, he's which happy, was interesting. But, yeah. you know, he needs a driver. He's right. He reversed his words when he was mad at that MCI guy. Right. I'll put, right. I'll put my face through your fist or right. And then he <laughs> had that freak out, zoned out scene in the woods when he was camping on his birthday. Right. So, I don't know. I put Gordon happy, though. It was the first word I put. It was happy. Um, And Donna, I put sad. I don't think Donna's very happy. No, Donna acts like she's playing a role at this point. Nothing about that seems happy to me. I completely agree with you. Donna is the doll face. Doll eyes. Yep. She's got the fake, fake plasticky appearance. Uh, Joni, I put happy and social. You can chip I don't in. know. You can chip yeah, in. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know how I feel about what's going on with Joni. I'd, I'd have to. I don't think they've shown us enough. I think we can take that. But I think Joni's really troubled. I think she's been troubled since we saw her last season with 
everything she went through last season. And I think she's just not good, but maybe better than Haley or maybe not. I don't know. We'll talk about yeah, that. Haley, bit, Haley, I put sad alone with few friends, stoic, although it catches up with her at one point. She's not so stoic and then smart. Very smart. Very Gordon-esque. Yeah, and then Cameron and Joe, I put equal. They're the same. I put adult. They've, they've finally grown up. So was this your first impression, or is this your impression after watching both episodes? Mm, kind of both episodes. Okay. I'm just curious where you got that. Okay. Uh, Boz, I put sad and needful. Boz Man, what's going on with Boz? We got to talk about that. And Diane, I put cold. Diane doesn't seem a lot different to me. She yeah. seems pretty much the same. She's always yeah. been cold, yeah. So, so Michelle, what do you think will happen with Tom? And do you think we've seen the last of him? Yes, I think Tom's done. What? Okay, so I had a couple questions here. What? What future? What did Haley create that Gordon recognized at the end? What did you get from her website when she was she was sorting those URLs for Gordon with the with the Excel program? What what will um, become of Haley? What did she? What hint did she give Gordon in that scene? What hint? I, I didn't really catch a hint that she gave him, uh, but I did notice on the upcoming that Haley's going to be a big part of whatever they got going on. It looks like. Um, I think Haley's going to be like a like a prodigy in in this area, and I think she may end up, you know we may really see her advance. I don't know how they're going to do as far as like, if they're going to time jump or whatever we saw, you know, three years pass in episode one. So I don't know how much time we're going to see pass in the, in the coming up episodes, but, um, did so you seemed, see it something seemed, with Haley? It seemed like Haley had her own website and I don't know if she had already created it or if she created it via the URLs that she was going through all those URLs that Joe had captured if she well, kinda, she said she did it right then. She so yeah, said I so took she got a break. those ideas from Joe's, all those however many hundred URLs he had. <laughs> yeah. So that was cool. And how about Boz? What do you think will become of Boz? I don't know what's going on with Boz. I I don't I don't know that I believe Boz's story about why he needs money. Do you do you believe that? Oh yeah, I do. I I think it's plausible. I don't think we have any reason not to believe it. Except that he seemed desperate. Well, and, it, it, that's part of his story. You know, maybe it was because he was worried about, you know, Diane. But I, I can't picture him being so uh, concerned, I guess. I'm, that's awful. They're in a relationship they have been for years now. We know that. But I can't picture him being so wrapped up in that that he wouldn't even tell her that he made a poor business decision. Well, he's hiding it from her. But why? He doesn't want her to see him fail, or he, maybe he used some of her money. I don't know. Yeah. Probably mostly he doesn't want her to see him as a failure. Like, I can't, maybe. he kind of says, I can't, this, I'm retired. I can't let it end like this. Like, I'm a loser. Like, I just lost, you know? Right. Right. This can't be his last thing, I think is what he said. And yeah, I see that, but I just worry that there might be something underneath it because he's doing, he's went so far to cover up, 
Do you know what I mean? Like as far as to sell his boat and he hadn't told anybody. And I don't know. He just went really far to cover this up. And I'm, you know, that always makes me think of, you know, a, a drug addict or a gambling addict or somebody who's gotten in with somebody that maybe they shouldn't have gotten in with. Because his desperation seems out of proportion to what I saw him going through. I could be wrong. So you're saying he has a meth lab in the hull of that boat? <laughs> this is where Breaking Bad starts. We it all thought it was going to be a better call Saul. Yeah. Finds its way into every podcast. Yeah. All right. So um, so just before we do the recap of 401, I, I listened to another podcast, Michelle. I've talked about it before, 20 Go to 10 by Alex uh-huh. and Isaac. Sure. I really love that podcast. Those guys are super smart. I don't know what they do in real life to make money, to make a living, but they sound like they're kind of either in the they're either in the like the create creative like television or they they may be in the computers and stuff, but they recapped what each season meant. So anyway, if you if you want to listen to a good podcast, go listen to 20 go to 10. But they said in season 1 it was about the Apple and the Macintosh. Okay. Or, or the Apple and the IBM. Uh, yeah, yeah. Season two was about social media. Yeah. Like the I games, the games and stuff. Season three is mainly about ISPs, the, the AOLs and CompuServes. And now season four appears to be going into the search, the, the Google, uh, Google AltaVista search wars. Hmm. I don't know if I agree about season three being about the ISPs. I'd have to think about that. I didn't see a lot of that. I only saw a lot of that in this, at the beginning of this episode, but the rest of it I'm, you know, completely down with. Yeah, but the ISP that Gordon's running upstairs while Joe is spinning the real, the thing, the downstairs is the thing that led the thing, led, the other thing led to this thing. <laughs> the browser, I guess, is what we end up calling. Well, the search, the cataloging, the Joe's post-its. Joe's Google, right? He's Google manually writing on Post-its what Google does. And wow. and now Haley's, or not Haley, yeah, Haley. Yeah, Haley's Haley. cataloging them, cataloging them into Excel. <laughs> and right. that's Google. That's what Google does. Yeah, but Donna's smarter, you know, as far as that goes. Because, you know, she's got these guys doing this algorithm for it. Whereas they are still over there, like, you know, pounding this out. Well, that's what Joe's doing too. Joe's Joe's doing what Joe is doing it, and Donna's seeing what should be done. She, Donna and Joe, I think, are the seers. Uh, Gordon just copies what other people do, and he does it really well. He does it better than some, and he makes success with it. But he doesn't. He's not really genius in that he's not creating something new. Joe is creating something new, and Donna is seeing what people are doing that should be new and telling other people who know how to do it. No, Donna's stealing ideas is what Donna's doing. Donna didn't see anything until Gordon told her. And Gordon, I'm going to reiterate, is an idiot. He can't yeah, keep she, his mouth shut. Well, so he has that, a different business, a competing business, and he's talking to her. Now, of course you're going to do that, you know? But Gordon but, doesn't see that as a good idea like Donna does. That's a seer. That, that's what I mean by her being more intuitive about what should be what they should be working on. Gordon's happy just with making an, an ISP successful. Donna sees the value in Google-ish type research. Sure, and sure. Donna's more forward-thinking. I would completely agree. You know, Gordon seems satisfied with what he's 
you know, done and creating. And Donna is like, you know, always like pushing for more. And, but, you know, but, but she's, she's slimy in this, right? Just well, a little her bit. job as a, that's her job to find opportunities and exploit right, them. But you don't, yeah, I don't know. I think she's on this. I agree with you that that's her job, but it feels like kind of like a slippery slope to me, what she's doing, because, you know, Gordon's telling her what Joe has been sitting in the basement doing for three years. And so she takes it to like this crack team she's got that can do anything. These people who are, you know, like really forging uh, new paths and she leads them into this idea. And, uh, I don't know. It felt it felt slimy to me. I didn't like it. It's interesting that Gordon's derisive description of what Joe's doing in the basement, Joe's dream being like, so Joe's dream is the Yellow Pages? It's essentially, that describes the most powerful company in today's world. It, it is the Yellow Pages. Yeah, it really is. And, I mean, you know, he's like the Yellow Pages, but, but so much more. He keeps, you know, adding that little caveat onto it. And I agree, but... You know, he sees this. Joe Joe is a visionary, I think, for sure. And he sees how big this can be. And can you imagine the frustration? We're not talking about a month or two. This guy has had this vision now for years, and he's sitting on it. And it's like he's, like, imprisoned in this basement. Well, only three or four years. Okay. So it starts out at Kelnect, which I guess Mnet is the old mutiny. They're in the building that they ended season three in where Joe fell through the floor. <laughs> yeah. In fact, and in the, the hole's still there. This interesting, yeah, and Joe still has the cast on. Mm-hmm. So we still know it's right after, it's right in that window of time that season three ended. And and the way they progress through these uh, this odd five month up to three year time shift with Gordon's, it's almost like surrounding Gordon and his view of things was really cool how he walks up he walks up the stairs and it's three years later and he's in the woods. And I, just the way they merged all those scenes was really cool. I completely agree. I thought that was really good. So starting out at Mnet, though, it's it's Japan cam, right? There's no girls in this company. It's Gordon and Joe. There's no Cameron. There's no Donna, of course. She's been asked to leave. What um, What did you think about that, though? Did you think, were, were you as annoyed as I was that Cameron would want Donna to leave. I mean, going back and watching the very last scene of episode 10 in last season, she came up to, she, she led Donna to believe that she wanted to work with her. And then she came in the next morning right before they're fixing to start. And she said, I want this. I don't, I can't work with you. People are disposable to you. And yeah, but something triggered that. Yeah, it did, and something real triggered it. And I don't necessarily, you know, at the time I felt sorry for Donna, but maybe not because I felt like things should have happened differently. Maybe I felt kind of sorry for her because I felt like that's a terrible way for her to be, and it's true that people are disposable to her. But then to have Cameron not show up, you know, no wonder. No wonder Donna's turned into what she's turned into. Well, clearly Cameron didn't show up because of Tom. She tried to make her relationship with Tom work. Yeah, uh, but you don't kick somebody out of a business 
Well, and then you not said, do she it. She said, Donna said to Cameron, if you want Joe out, I'll, I'll knock him out. Like, that was revealing to Cameron at the time. Okay, right, fine, good. And I don't even disagree with Cameron's uh, morals on that or her, you know, her feelings and her wanting to do that. But then show up. You know, well, I mean, but I was her so life mad changed. At her. She got married and moved with Tom, and it looks like they were thinking about having kids. I mean, it's not it just matter. no, 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 no. She had all that. That had all happened at the beginning of season of last season. Then, you know, she was talking about coming back and doing this. She wanted to be there and do this. We see this as it's coming on, where she's, you know, telling Joe, "I've decided I'm going to stay here and work remotely." Which, even that, okay. If she don't want Donna there, I think that's stupid and ridiculous. But then we see that as time goes on, she's not even, you know, she goes five months and they can't even contact her at a time. Well, maybe Tom told her, when she told Tom she slept with Joe, maybe Tom said, don't communicate with that guy. Maybe she tried to make it work with Tom. That's why I call her an adult now. I think she did really grow up in in this interim I don't see her as slacking and sitting around playing video games all day. I think I see her removal from this environment with Joe as part of something she was trying to figure out in life. I just still don't like the way she handled, you know, I don't know if she's grown up or not. I don't think they've shown us enough of that. I I agree with you that, that, that we saw some signs of like maturing, but at the same time, I could argue every one of them on how, how it wasn't mature and how it was like, you know, poor decisions, but I can see how it could, you know, depending if I hadn't watched this whole season, if I hadn't binge watched it, which by the way is completely different than watching a uh, halt week to week binge watching. It is because you get, I got so tired of Cameron in the last episode and her childishness and her whininess and her just, I don't know, everything. And of course you do other characters too, but it just really was heavy watching it 10 episodes back to back. But maybe it's because I just came off of that and I came onto this and I kind of had like this sour taste in my mouth about Cameron anyway, but seeing her do that with Donna, this is what cost Joe these four years of his life. Well, Joe was decided to wait for her. Yeah. All right, so Joe's got his cast. We know it's recent. They upward pan through the floor. Gordon's on the phone. He listens in on Gordon, on uh, Cameron and Joe talking. Um, Guys are fixing the office. Um, So then we know time goes by again, and and now this time jump is a year. Joe's on the phone with Japan, still can't reach Cameron. So they go through these these time evolutions of people revealing different spans of time that have elapsed during the last between the last connection. And it was really good cuz you never knew where it was going to go. You know you, you know after a couple times you knew when he walked out of the room things were likely to change and that was pretty cool I thought. So their product is Lodestar, the browser has 69 downloads and Joe Joe's um the measurement for Joe is the number of posts it's stuck on his monitor and Eventually the wall behind him and probably the ceiling and floor at some point. <laughs> yeah, he had all those like whiteboards covered in these little t- – his computer monitor looked like mine. I always do that, like like daisy out my computer monitor with anything I've got going on. So that was funny to see somebody else doing that. Just think if you had to write down every URL that you came across 
Well, yeah, and it was funny because that's what he was doing. Remember, like he ran into somebody at Gordon's party and they had a, a website and he asked for the URL to to categorize it. Wasn't Everybody. that cool? Yeah, everywhere well, he goes, he a post-it pad with him. Can you imagine? The 20 go to 10 guys reminded me in their podcast that when you typed in URLs, you used to have to literally type in all that stuff in the in the browser window to get the URL to work. Right, you couldn't like the be H- off by T- one one character or it wouldn't connect correctly. That's so funny. I remember when they first started putting, uh, like, if you were watching the news and they'd say, to learn more, go to the website. And they would literally say it like this. They would go, H-T-T. Some of our competitors <laughs> say their websites like that still. I won't point anybody out, but it's funny to hear that. Really? Yep. Um, uh, well, tell them how to, tell to find us. H T T P colon slash. That's like, come on. Um, all right, so <laughs> jump ahead five more months. Some guy from AOL walks in. They want to buy their user base. And Joe comes upstairs and talks to Gordon about Mosaic. Mosaic is the big dominator of the industry. It has a web browser with images, video even. It works on any platform. It's more advanced than their. Uh, than theirs and and the one Donna's working on. Um, yeah, did you did you get that right away? Because this really took me a while. Joe is working on a browser downstairs, Lodestar. Gordon is working on an ISP upstairs. Right. I guess yeah. you got that right away, right? Because I didn't. It really took me a little while to come to grips with what was actually going on and to. Re- I actually had to look up, I'm embarrassed, the difference in a browser and an ISP, which of course it's completely different once I read it, but the browser is the software, and of course the ISP is who you pay to Get access to the internet, internet service provider, yeah. Right, anyway. So Joe and Gordon talk about the business. Um, I guess there's another time jump, quick, quick time jump, five years this time they're camping. Um, and I think this time jump takes us to 1994. Uh, it was when the first attack on the World Trade Center. There are some clues to what time it is with uh, some news that Joe and Cameron talk about while she's right. coming back to the U.S. But it's about five years. It's 1993-ish, 94-ish. Um, Joe and Gordon are camping on his birthday, and they're talking about business. Uh, Joe muses that Cameron may have been out of touch because she's working on her game. Which was true. We saw. I mean, that's not the only reason, but yeah. Gordon talks about charging a flat fee for their internet service provider company instead of hourly, I guess. Kind of like what AOL did at one point. Remember when AOL was by the minute, I think? It was so expensive. Mike and I were talking about that after we watched this together again yesterday. And it was so – one time we had a, a, a bill from AOL for like $225 because somebody had accidentally left something on. And right. it was just like, yeah, crazy. And then they went to the – yeah, yeah, to the flat fee. So Mosaic has had a million downloads that month where, and their Lodestar has only had 431 total. Joe suggests replacing Cameron with somebody else who could be a Mosaic killer to help him get that finally going. And Gordon just wants to give up and be happy with what they have. He's like, we built a really successful business with the ISP. We don't really need to do what you're doing in the basement. Let me just use that space for servers. 
Um, and then they talk about Joe's significant other, whoever that is. At the, I don't even know if that's a guy or a girl or whatever, but they Joe says, I broke up with that person two months ago. I think it was a guy. I think they called him Otis or something. I didn't write it down, but, yeah, I'm pretty sure it was a guy. And he cheers Gordon for his 40th birthday. So that's it. So that's it up to the credits. Yeah, and I thought, what a nice way to celebrate your birthday, you know? Camping. You're like, yeah, I mean, you know, I'm not really a big camper or anything, but, you know, you go out with a friend and you hang out and you talk and you brainstorm. I mean, how much fun would that be? And then, of course, we see that he does a whole lot more than that. So we come back after the credits and boys are playing the Pilgrim game and they don't really like it. It's too different, too hard. And this Cameron's watching this focus group of boys playing the game and says they're the wrong kind of... And apparently the game where if when you finish, you're looped right back to the start again. Yeah, I don't think that was... Well, maybe. I don't know if that was it or not. I couldn't tell. You know, I couldn't tell if that was just it, when you did something, then it started you over because you've, like, you know, reached something. But there's something beyond that. I couldn't, I couldn't tell. I thought that was an interesting metaphor for what our heroes in the show are doing. They're, they finish something or they get knocked or knocked or booted out of something or something fails and they start right back at the beginning again. Well, yeah. And her, everything about everything she and Joe said to each other were, you know, about the relationship in place of about what they acted like they were talking about. So Joe's cataloging all those URLs. He's got 561. He's watching a live feed of a coffee pot, Michelle, that's somewhere in Europe somewhere. <laughs> uh, maybe, uh, maybe Harvard. Um, and it's important in that it's a video. It's the, the Mosaic browser supports video, and he's watching a coffee pot. Yeah, and it was live, and that's pretty cool back then. So this is actually where Gordon says, hey, dude, move upstairs and help me. And Joe says, no, you move downstairs and help me. Um, AOL is coming on strong and Gordon feels threatened by that. So Joe and then Joe looks down at one of the multiple discs. Remember those discs used to come in the mail? Like every single day in the mail, you'd get an AOL CD or. Really? Literally like three a week. No kidding. When they, they use the word carpet bomb, they carpet bomb and they did. You couldn't go to a coffee shop without there being a box of those. I mean, they were literally everywhere. So Donna, we see her at her office, and she's working with entrepreneurs whose idea is to pass Mosaic, to, to exceed and overcome Mosaic, but they're way behind. Uh, their, their browser is Millennium, I think. Um, yes. And they're trying to sell Donna on some bullshit, like, hey, we've got images no video video yet but we do have mouse pads and you know they're trying to overcome their shortcomings by stupid ancillary stuff right and donna's super smug and smart she just asked about the video she seems like she doesn't need them she doesn't need any one particular deal to stay strong with her company now she can take and leave these 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 entrepreneur groups and just sort the ones out that are going to be valuable to her, like their inventory, really, not so many, not so much humans as they are just deals. Well, right. And she's getting like these, you know, pitch after pitch after pitch. And it's like maybe her job to figure out which one's worth, you know, pursuing. So. So, yeah, I agree with that. So apparently Gordon is one of those people that celebrates his birthday over multiple days because he's having a 
Blue Man Group party. And Cameron shows up with a six-pack of Miller, but quickly replaces that for a Zima. A Zima. Remember Zima? I never drank a Zima, but they always looked horrible. I didn't either, but I remember that they were a big deal in the 90s. So Gordon talks to her. They reiterate that it's been five months with no contact. Um, Joe's not at the party yet. Uh, I don't know. Does he show up at this party? Yes, he does. Maybe a little later. So Boz and Diane show up. And they look kind of like, to me, right off the bat, like they're having problems. They didn't seem super lovey-dovey and fun. I think they have problems. I think the... I think the reason for Boz not wanting to look bad to Diane, it, it, it's it's less than honest for sure, but it's for it's for a relationship reason. I think I don't think it's for a, a, a legal reason. It's not Boz in the outside world. It's Boz and Diane. That's the problem. Yeah, I mean, I mean that could be it. I'm just suspicious that it's more sinister, but I guess we'll see. So they talk about the. They talk about Gordon's company, Gordon Joe's company, but essentially Gordon's project upstairs. And Diane estimates it's a fifty to sixty million dollar business uh, every year. That's their revenue. And Bosworth says, "Well, no, it's seventy five now with Arizona." So they're you know they're flourishing. Yeah, but they talk about how they only have like what four hundred and something subscribers or something. Didn't they bring that number up? I, I think that I, was Joe's. I think that was their browser. I think okay. that was the downstairs part of the business. Okay. Okay. Yeah, but that Diane, was a little confusing. Diane does that. say that their days are numbered because there's 25 ISPs in the world and AOL coming on strong. Every All of those little 25 ISPs, are their days are numbered. So AOL must have, like, moved across the country or something, I'm assuming. Because, you know, she said AOL's coming to town or something to that effect. That means and, they're coming to get little businesses. Okay, every- I didn't know if it meant that or if it meant that they were actually, you know, in your area now because I don't know. No, they're internet. They're just their CDs were different. You're right. You're right. That doesn't make sense. Okay. Yeah. So, um Cameron meets with Joni now and the kids think Cameron's super cool. Joni's friends think she's super cool. This is still at the party. Yeah. Haley doesn't have any interest at all in talking to Cameron and walks right past her. Uh, and did you also notice that Joni is like telling her friends, "This is the, this is Cameron House. She invented space bike and and what what's that other one? You know, Pilgrim. yeah, that's Cameron's new one though, and nobody knew what it was. So yeah, maybe that was a little I don't think Pilgrim's been released yet, right? It's just going through test groups. Yeah, and it ain't gonna be. So they Spoiler talk. Alert. They speak Japanese to each other. That was kind of cool. And uh, it's the first of two warnings to Cameron. Don't worry, my mom's not here. So she, we know that she's still keeping space from Donna. Right. Although the second warning doesn't work out as well as this one. Um, then Joe shows up. Uh, he gets a random URL from the first guy he meets at the party. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but remember, Michelle, Joe and Gordon, Joe getting all these URLs is still pretty much in character with him because remember when they first met joe and gordon wrote several thousand lines of code manually when they broke down that ibm in in texas when joe first met gordon at what was cardiff that? cardiff yeah yeah in season one yeah. he's very meticulous so he's not afraid of like writing every single thing down and keeping track of it right 
Um, he sees Cameron and they start an adult conversation. So I just start to see these guys being more adult and not so petulant and teenagery in their romance. Um, Cameron tells him that Tom's been promoted to the head of development at Sega. Um, and then we get this cool Doll Eyes song from Hole and it transitions between the two parties. The, the song Happy Birthday transitions into Courtney Love's Doll Eyes. Did you hear that song when it came out at, at the time, Michelle, in the 90s? I don't remember it, no. Yeah, I had that whole album. That was a really cool album. Courtney Love, obviously, was the wife of Kurt Cobain. Right. Um, music shines so much in this series. It's just, like, so cool. Um, this is, so they show the transitions. Music tra- serves to transition from Cameron to Donna. And, and Donna's doll eyes that I thought I, I saw in, on her face for the investors. Yeah. Both for investors and lovers, Donna has doll eyes. Fake. Yeah, everything about her, yes, is fake and glossed over. I agree. So this all reminds reminds us, and I, I'll speak for myself, but reminded me that even though this show is so deeply ingrained in the technology of the day, all the technology we still use even today... I mean, we make this podcast and deliver this podcast on technology, but this show is all about personal stuff. It's about people stuff, and that, that's the interesting thing. It was interesting when Joe and Cameron cracked open the IBM, but really what this show's about is the people. Yeah, exactly. That's kind of what I was saying at the beginning. This first episode really, to me, kind of focused on on the advances in the technology and their, the part they played in it, but once we get past this then we really start having and of course they touched on it in different places but then we really start having like these deep connections with these people um i would say it's the about the closest thing to historical fiction you know i mean i don't know how exactly historical accurate everything is but um but i would say it's pretty close so the parties end gordon's blue man party and donna's dinner party with her team or her her i guess investors and team people with her who knows who knows who she was having that dinner party with cameron's you know cameron's sleeping on gordon's couch and okay yeah okay so gordon can have the blue man at his birthday party but he doesn't have a spare bedroom in his home that was crazy the same home he had when he didn't have the blue man success yeah well cameron had her own room there I don't know. I just thought that was weird, her sleeping on the couch. Maybe the girls were together, and now they have their own rooms. When the girls were little, they might have had the same room. Yeah, okay. Uh, so that party breaks up, and, and Cameron's on the couch. Donna's party breaks up, and the guy's about to leave, but stays. I thought that guy stayed because he had to, Michelle. I know Donna's beautiful, and she's sexy and all that, but that guy didn't have much choice in that scenario. <laughs> Well, he, he had his coat on. He was leaving until she closed the door. So so I read somewhere that that dude is Carrie Bechet's real-life beau. His name's Chris Lowell. Oh, really? He's That's real cool. real-life lover. Uh, I, I read. I'm not positive if it's true. but Sure. So morning cracks, and as we said, Gordon's now playing games to wake up Cameron on the couch. And she, he offers that she can have a drive home from his driver. Yeah, reminded us that he doesn't drive himself. So she makes some snarky comments about, "Can I keep the air on and can I sleep?" <laughs> She's hungover. 
Right. And um, they say, Gordon said something like, you and Joni are in the same state of hangoverness. Which is kind of funny. Uh, and then she gives she gives Gordon a copy of Pilgrim to play. So it's, that kind of told me that it wasn't really released yet. It was just being focus grouped and she had a couple copies to share. Sure, but... You know, he he made a comment about it. He's, you know, she invites Gordon to go to the focus group, and he says, well, it better be good. You know, and she's, like, kind of taken aback by that. And then, yeah. then, then she hands him the copy, and she goes, well, you tell me if it's good. So Gordon admits also to her that Lodestar was always a side project, that it really belonged to Joe. And uh, Doll Eyes Donna shows up to pick up the kids because I guess – one of them's late going out to the car. Yeah. And I mean, you know, this is the second time she, she pulls up and she's honking and Cameron of course is deer in the headlights. This is the second time Gordon's lied to her. I mean, you know, not meaning to, but the night before he's like, Joe won't be here. Joe doesn't come to parties. And then here comes Joe. And then Donna won't come in. She doesn't come in. And then 10 seconds later, Donna walks in. Right. So. Pretty funny. Builds up a lot of confidence in what Gordon says. And and Haley, or whatever, um, Joni's saying, don't worry, my mom's not here. Right, right. So that was funny. So she does come in, and she just looks at her like, what? <laughs> um, and then, But she's on the couch. I mean, it looks, I don't know, it looks quasi-innocent. I guess they could have slept together anywhere, but it, it's kind of funny how they make a joke about it later on. And Donna's only comment, though, is, have you seen Mosaic? Like, that's the only thing important. That, right back to season three, square right. one, where they were all in that room. Right. And um, Cam says she's surprised Mosaic wasn't you. Right. Fund, funding it. Right, right. She thought, because, you know, Mosaic is like the biggest, right? This is what they're all competing for. And when Donna went away, when Cameron ran her away at the end of the last episode, they were probably thinking Donna was going to do, you know, a competitive thing. So. Well, that's probably how she got started with getting closer to Diane, too. Well, remember, she had already taken a job at uh, the investment firm. She was yeah, already doing that. but she wasn't that. a partner. She's like way way up now partner level with diane not just working for diane yeah she i think she became a partner last uh last season because i remember them putting up a new placard you know we see that a lot in this investment firm or a few times anyway a couple times where they're changing everything out and that was when she had changed her last name from clark to i think emerson and um yeah so she you know she was made a partner last season or, you know, something in it that she got her, her initial on the placard. So Joe Gordon's invited Joe to speak with the investors and he's in there asking them some questions or not, not really investors, but I guess they're investors, Lodestar investors or, or, uh, yeah, Lodestar investors and Lodestar's customers are overloading their plan with MCI because people are doing what you said. They're leaving their, because they can do a flat fee. They're just leaving their connection on all night. And isn't that funny? Because that's like, I mean, who unconnects now, ever? Right. Broadband. Don't need yeah. to. Yeah. 
So they say, try what about Pac Bell? Just an alternative to MCI. The phone companies ran the internet back then. (laughs) Right, right. And Gordon says, if MCI wants more money, just give it to him. We have it. Let's stay ahead of this. But it's interesting that Joe is invited into this meeting by Gordon because he thinks of solutions in ways that Gordon doesn't and kind of offers some pretty good advice here. So what's next? Down in the basement, Joe and Cameron talk about the past, and she hands him the finished browser, the Lodestar. And this is where they start to catch up on what kind of happened with Joe and Cameron. Like Joe says, we needed you, and now it's too late. I was down here by myself for three years. And Cameron says, do you want to talk about what we're really talking about? Which is kind of true. It's not the technology. It's the interpersonal relationship. Right. Um, So next we see Donna with more entrepreneurs. And they've used up their seed funding. And Donna gives them 24 hours to get ideas that merit more investment. They can't just get more money. They have to have a bigger, better idea to get more money. Well, this is that Rover group. That's the group that we end up working with the whole time. This group is. But, yeah, she's really pushing them hard. And you can tell that all of these people, as they've shown different people like cycling through, these people are scared of her. It's not even like a, um, you know, a respect, you know, kind of wanting to please the boss. It's a fear. Well, and they hold the purse. She holds the purse strings. She holds I, the life and sure. death of her company. Well, yeah, yeah, she does. And it's important. But it's almost like she's cold and they know that, you know, it's almost like they get that same thing from her that same feeling the doll eyes feeling that you're talking about like there's nobody nobody home inside there so their current product the one she initially invested in is b2b medical records just just managing medical records in a database and and she essentially says if you want more money i need a better bigger idea than this stupid medical record database right right i gave you the money for that now if you want more come up with something else you got 24 hours so back to joe and gordon um joe says we can still be the door that we talked about at the end of season three a directory a a website of websites and so he's again he's like three chess moves ahead of all of them even though they you know gordon wants the safety just just let's run the isp that we already have and keep it successful and let's be happy with what we have um, he plowed ahead and made that a successful company, but Joe has lightning in the bottle down in the basement. He's the magic. It's more yeah. dangerous, more risky, but it's the it's the future. He's the seer. And I thought it was pretty telling. He told Gordon that he's sleepwalking, and I thought that was a great way to put that. He said, "You're a builder. You need to build." And then you know, Gordon accuses him of you know letting Cameron stoke this back up again where Gordon has seen Joe just, you know, like deteriorate literally like a plant that you give, you know, nothing to. And I don't know. It's interesting how they made Joe look like he looked kind of greasy and unkempt and he was lonely and unkempt in the basement, like the genius isolated guy in the cave. Right. Yeah. He's like, and Gordon looks kind of polished. Gordon looks neat and clean and he takes a shower every day and he gets his rest and he's trying to do healthy stuff and you know but he's running a kind of a zombie company that's not ever going to be anything until it's swallowed up and disintegrated by aol right yeah and joe chides him you're a builder why did you stop building you should have kept going 
So I don't know. So then what Gordon and Cameron talk. I like how these conversations between two people reveal all this stuff. Gordon talks to Cameron. What are you doing here? He, he essentially calls her cruel for leading Joe on. So it's interesting how Gordon cares about Joe and how Cameron can hurt Joe's feelings. And Joe, it's like she's his kryptonite almost. And Joe's, and Gordon's trying to protect Joe from Cameron. Well, yeah, but it's not just hurting his feelings, I don't think. I think that it's about that she gets him all spun up and then he won't spin back down. You know, she has like inserted herself back into their business, which affects Gordon directly because, you know, he went into this with Joe and he wants Joe's help. He wants Joe to come upstairs and help him. He feels like this lodestar's dead or, you know, is not dead, but certainly not anything. And then here comes Cameron, and then suddenly Joe is, like, re-fired up about it. Yeah, but remember what we just talked about, the personal. Uh, Joe is afraid, or Cameron's, Gordon's afraid that Cameron's going to break Joe's heart. He's worried about his friend being hurt romantically by Cameron. Sure, sure he is. And he even tells her, you know, like, it it took Joe a long time. You know, like, Joe's been through enough. But it was also funny in this that Cameron is in there. They're at this testing site again. And the guy tells her that the game control, that she needs to put the game controls in the manual. And she says it's the worst thing you can do with a magic trick is tell them how it works. And then she says this. And everything is a metaphor, you know, I think, in this. But she says you have to respect the player. This is V2 Cameron, though. This is version 2 improved Cameron, though. Because... When Gordon says this to her, she doesn't skulk off like she would have in all of the other three seasons. She walks up to him and hugs him and thanks, essentially, thank you for, you know, she's adult. She's not a petulant little kid. I agree. All right, now Gordon and Donna talk. So here we got like all the different combinations. They talk about the kids. This is kind of a fun conversation. Gordon and Donna, they're friendly exes, which is kind of cool. Uh, Joni's a pothead and has hangovers. And Gordon- That's what I'm saying. That's why I don't know if Joni's really doing as okay as, you know, I mean, of course she's social and she's kind of, you know, blended in with everything, but. Well, Gordon says maybe she'll go to Berkeley. She'll fit in perfectly. So, you know, yeah. there are a lot of super smart teens and going through drug and alcohol phases that are phases. Sure, sure. sure. And hopefully that's, you know. That's what this is with her, but it just, I, I don't know. So They kind of made a point to point out that she'll find, you know, anything to smoke pot, including fruit. I mean, she's doing that kind of stuff in front of her mom or, you know, where, I don't know. It just seemed like a little over the top, but maybe you're right. It's, I think different than if she was sneaking out in an alley, sneaking it from them. It's like they know and she's not afraid that they know. I, that seems better to me somehow. Okay. Uh, Gordon teases Donna about Cameron being there in his sweatpants. Right. <laughs> like she could, she never could resist me. Uh, and this was the most real that Donna appears. There's no doll eyes in this scene with Donna. She's just real Donna. So this, this was good. Uh, Gordon tells her about the Joe, the wacky idea about indexing the internet, every website in existence. And this is where Donna captures and captures slash steals the thought. Yes, so, she does. They make fun of Joe and Cameron. Um, they, sarcast- they sarcastically toast Mosaic to the death of our competing b- browsers. So they're essentially toasting their own deaths, their own demise. Right. Pretty right. funny. They're, I like this little interaction between Gordon and Donna. 
Yeah, yeah, I guess. I mean, I still thought Donna was pretentious. I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm not a Donna fan in this season so far. She needs to be there, though. She's part of the formula. Oh, yeah, absolutely, yeah. Just like Boz needs the turmoil to get back in. If everything was fine and he was fat and happy, he wouldn't be an interesting character. Right. So um, the entrepreneurs come back in with Don- to Donna with an idea to index magazines. <laughs> and she just says, look, you guys, this is all dead data at the ALL algorithm, too. Just do something dynamic. Do something that's not just dead inventory of data. Yeah, she leads them right into that. She knows with, without telling them, you know, she goes, what's the future? You know, I mean, she's doing this whole thing. And what is that watch she has on? What is that? Is it like some know. kind of timer or something? Yeah, that function where she flips it over is the intimidating timer. Like, okay, our your clock is running. You have four minutes or whatever, you know. I want minutes. one of those. It's probably oh. like a Piaget. It's probably like a $20,000 watch. Oh, well, I probably can't have one of those. <laughs> Um, but it's a it's a tactic. It's like okay, the but the timer has started, you know, because it takes a physical maneuver that everyone in the room can see. Right. So yeah, so she says that we're in the future business, you know, not the dead the dead data business. I don't know. That's it. That's the idea. So she's she's presented that to her her legal her her technical team who can put it into uh, reality. Yeah, and they also, you know, jump to Gordon as she's, like, leading them down this road, staring at a sticky note, and then back to her. So, yeah, I, I, I had to say, is she stealing Gordon's idea here? You know, because I thought that was kind of horrible. Well, this is the thing that uh, that the other thing led to. This yep. is finally the thing. So now comes the long call between Joe and Cameron's basically for them but it's also for us in the audience there's a lot of philosophy they talk about you know a little history catching up but they really talk about things that they each need to hear it's it's a it's a joe joe's comment about the browser i needed you for the browser i need you to be here i need you to stay near me it's really i need i love you right i need you to be near me because i love you right not just to work with me on the browser and this is where she reveals that Tom has left her and that she's not going to go back to Japan. Yep. So, Michelle, was this the end of episode one? Um, yes. Okay. Tom has left Cameron, not her leaving him. Tom has left her. He met somebody else. Which is ironic, right? I mean, she loved Joe. I mean, come on. The, their relationship was ridiculous right but she loved joe joe loves her joe said at the end of last of of the last season the very last words almost in the whole thing were i love her you know and it's like whoa joe okay and she loved him and she went to tom out of like what do you think obligation commitment uh, fear who knows what and then tom left her for somebody else. Well, then they later on they talk about this kids they introduce into the equation too. So, but they, they yeah. Joe and Cameron small talk about baths and flirty, um, timely things, flirty things. Her odyssey in Tokyo, Bill Clinton, cheeseburgers, Audrey Hepburn, the Cowboys, the mm-hmm. World Trade Center's first attack, Gordon's health. 
all kinds of stuff. And it's, it's, yeah. it's therapy. Doesn't even the words and topics don't even matter. Michelle, it's Cameron's, it's Cameron's it's therapy for Cameron. It soothes her to sleep. This is the most, I thought maybe their most romantic exchange ever out of all four seasons. This I completely call. agree. I, I, I mean, I completely agree. I've never been like a big uh, proponent of their relationship or whatever, because I think that they have always been so toxic in one way or another. But... I was touched by this. I mean, a couple of times I made like little hearts, you know, because it was like, okay, that is really, really touching. He, I think that they could have said blah, 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 blah. The whole, this whole time that they're talking, the first part of it, and it wouldn't have mattered. She needed to hear his voice and he needed to hear her voice. And she even, you know, she says it, she goes, just talk. And he taught, he's like, what do you want me to say? And, you know, she says, I just want you to talk. And so he just starts talking. And I don't know, I loved that. She Have didn't you want ever to be done alone. this, Michelle, continued to read to like a child or a lover after they've fallen asleep? Like, you know, they, you know, they hear you, even if it's just you hearing yourself as them hearing you. <laughs> I've even done it with like a pet. Like you're, you talk to your dog after he's asleep. Sure. Sure. Somehow it's, I mean, it might be for you, but somehow, right. even though they're asleep, it works for them. It is such an intimate thing. You know, it's such a personal thing. And, and yes, and I've, and, you know, I've stayed on the phone. Literally, I've watched the sun come up talking on the phone. And it's just such an incredible connection that you have with somebody. And then Joe staying on that phone while she slept. I mean, because yeah, the teapot in the morning wakes her up over the live phone line. That is, I mean, that's just it's it's everything. I thought that's there was everything. an odd symmetry here to the students unconcerned about the 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 monthly fees where they could just leave it on all night, and that's kind of what happened with their phone call. Oh, that's their phones good. Stayed yeah. connected and. Didn't matter. <laughs> That's great. Absolutely. So um, they talk about San Jose, and Cameron says San Jose is weird. San Jose is not San Francisco. It's different. She just says it's weird. She doesn't really say so much how, but it, I think it's kind of code for how they are weird now. They've evolved. Joe and Cameron themselves are a little bit weird. They're a little bit different to themselves. They've evolved to whatever they are now, which is kind of weird for them to perceive among each other. Um, yeah, yeah. Go to Donna again. Donna has become Diane, essentially. She's the cold decision-making investor, investment manager. And then she, we meet her assistant, her associate assistant, whatever she is, Tanya. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And she gets her opinion of Rover and promotes her right on the spot, Michelle. She. Uh, this is also more proof of her power. She has people's future in the palm of her hand and promotes her. You're, well, you're... kind of, but then that gets pulled away a little bit later on, and and that maybe shows us that Donna doesn't have the power that she thinks she does, or something. I don't know. That was a little weird to me how that happened, but but yeah, she certainly at least feels like she does. 
at this point. So we jump to a scene of Haley playing chess against herself <laughs> during school time at some drive-in restaurant somewhere. And she's literally getting up and switching seats to play white versus black. Right. She gets caught by the teacher. Now, what's that teacher doing at the Clark Dogger or whatever that restaurant is during That's what I want to know. Yeah, scolding her. And, you know, she's like this little brainiac. She probably could be teaching second period in place of, you know. So Joe and Cameron go on more and more with this. I think it's like a two-day. It starts in the evening, goes into the morning phone call. So it's two days of (laughs) talking. You know, maybe too much. I got a little bit long. But he tells her about French Prince, the French Prince of Bel Air, Fresh Prince of Bel Air, not French. And she talks about Japanese. Yeah, he's talking about it like like it's something going on. You don't even get what he's talking about at first. Okay, see, it's about this guy and he got in a fight. I mean, it was just great. You know, it's great the way he does it. And then you realize he's not talking about a friend or, you know, somebody, a friend's child. He's talking about the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. It's just hilarious. Yeah, the culture. It was odd, too. They're talking on landline phones. Yes, but his was cordless. Yeah. And it kept dying. Did you ever do that when you had like these cordless phones and you had to switch them out because the conversation went longer than you had anticipated? Yeah, so that was that was kind of funny. So Gordon and Haley are in the limo now, and she is—I called her stoic—but this is where she reaches her breaking point. They break; she breaks down a little bit as they as they're talking. And uh, some guy named Chet rushes up to the car outside of uh, Mnet. And has no read of the situation at all and stands there by the window while this guy's like dealing with his daughter in an emotional crisis and just stands there like, come on, Gordon, we need you inside. Like, I know he continues to knock. He's like, you know, doing this boom, 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 boom on the window. When Gordon like rolls it down, he can see the girl just like, you know, I mean, like the, you know, sobbing, crying, the kind you can't catch your breath. And he, he doesn't get it. I think his name's Shep. Haley's on the sad little island, and Gordon deals with the shit at working at his work. This emergency, um, which is essentially there's not enough bandwidth to serve all the customers they have, and people are leaving the company. Um, so Gordon puts Haley to work in his office on Excel, and she's putting Joe's Post-it notes into a spreadsheet. And he says it's important. She says why, and or she, I wondered why, I guess maybe she didn't say it, but she types them in. I, you know, I wonder why it was so important to get them into a spreadsheet. Maybe it's something that code, that once it's in a spreadsheet, the code can then take it and put it into the work that they're doing with the Yeah, software. yeah. I think they were transferring it that way, like manually, which is different than Donna talking to that rover group about the algorithm that would catch it, like, instantaneously. Kind well, of. that's the way it has to work. Sure, sure. But Donna's you know, way. Donna's sure. way is the way it has to work. Right. So Boz has um, an idea. Michelle comes in, uh, tells a story about being lost on his boat. He's Again, he's Mr. Embellishment, and he's showboating and pitching and yawning like a drunk donkey. And then he gets saved by a boat with some dudes. <laughs> <laughs> This storm was pitching and yawning <laughs> like a drunk donkey. He gets, That's he, pretty good, Mike. He, he gets saved by a boat with these two guys from AMD, and they have a GPS on their boat. A newfangled GPS. And Do, yeah, Donna says, do you mean Garmin or Magellan? Remember Garmin and Magellan are things you could buy for your car. Like, Don't they right. already have that? 
And he says, no, GPS for every man. And he starts pitching to Donna. And she kind of looks at him like, what are you doing? What are you looking for here? You know, and um, I wrote in my notes, what is he looking for? But now I think I know. You know, he's, he's got to keep on the up and up with Diane. But Boz looked old and tired and drawn and tired. And I don't know. I even made a note in here. I predict that he might not be even around that much longer. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what's going on with him. I'm I'm unclear. I mean, literally, he might die. He might be. He might not be around for this end of this season. Right, right. I wouldn't. That wouldn't surprise me. So Joe's reading still more and more to Cameron, and they get into this. Uh, this is how I would attempt to connect with a girl if I was on this phone, long type phone call with her. Like this cool piece of literature from John Updike. Yes. Story yes. called Pigeon Feathers. Um, and basically, I just Wikipedia. It's the story of a young man who has a crisis in faith as he struggles with the belief in life after death. So, were you able to attach any of that to the story? Well, the only thing that I could—I mean, it's like on uh, what's it called, uh, Books Google or something. I think I found like you know, it's John Updike's religious poetry, and I and it like did it, you know, like it gave like all this stuff on it, and. Um, no, I, I just felt like it was a segue into them discussing more in-depth personal things, you know, like how their philosophies had changed over the years and why. Yeah, it was a mechanism for them to look a little deeper into themselves. Right. It reminded me of Mad Men when Joe, when Joe, when Don <laughs> Draper was reading Meditations in an Emergency by Frank O'Hara. He got yes. ca- kind of introspective and poetic and he was re- actually started writing poetry himself. I thought that was cool. Do you not see that, like, particularly in men? I mean, as I've gotten older and I'm around these, you know, men who are not maybe in their 30s or 40s anymore, I think, or, you know, I think you see that. Um, or I think I have. Maybe I've just been lucky to see that in, in people, this this growth. It's like they have this moment of whatever, or maybe many moments, or maybe a year of, like, this thing where they a, a lot of them change and and things become they become deeper I guess and maybe women too I don't know but I've experienced it more with with men and the men friends and stuff that I know yeah of course women change too it, True. it it's a yeah and then people probably Frank O'Hara and um John Updike saw that at when they were 50 whatever years old and whatever age they wrote the poetry at when they were at that age. Sure. Sure. So, yeah, I don't know. I I like this. I like Joe introducing this though. Well, Um, yeah, because it's, it's not Joe with, uh, with the antivirus software and, uh, you know, money grabbing and, and almost the doll eyes himself that he had at the beginning of last episode. It's Joe raw, you know, it's Joe who's, who's done some introspection, if that's the right word. And, you know, who is, you know, he is realizing maybe what's important. And I, I love that. Yeah, it's the technology of all this whole story being the Trojan horse for the real interpersonal right. stuff that we that we like. Michelle, did the eclipse hit you yet? Hello? Can you hear me? Yeah, can you hear me? Yeah. 
Okay. I yeah. asked if the eclipse hit you yet. And, he... and I said, yeah, it did. It was really, really cool. Oh, you gave me stony silence like you oh. were getting vaporized by a sunbeam. <laughs> it was cool. Did, did you uh, get any? We, we were literally, I mean, I'm, I'm like at a place that it hit like 99%. And about 10 or 15 minutes up the road, it was 100%. And uh, so it was, you know, I just went on my, in my backyard. But it was really, really cool. Yeah, we got 70% and it was 10:20 in the morning and it was super cloudy. So it was like kind of... You know, kind of, you could tell. You couldn't really tell, like, some of the stuff on TV. Yeah. I mean, it felt colder, but I was making, like, pictures of the thermometer on my back porch. It didn't get any colder. Maybe a temp, a degree or something. But, um... But well, it's it not going to get colder in three well, minutes of... <laughs> well, no, they were saying... Uh, I was watching something, I think, on one of the news shows, and they were showing it live in Oregon, and they said that the temperature dropped, like, 15 degrees. Mm. I mean, that's what, you know, because I wouldn't have thought so either. But anyway, it didn't actually drop, but it felt cooler. There was like, uh, and it was really cool because there's some people around that have chickens and the roosters were crowing at first, like early. And then after after that, the cicadas come out like they do at night. Sure they do, Michelle. Sure they do. Only in Tennessee. No, no, I've got it on um, audio tape. I'll send it to you. Audio tape. What do you, what do you got your <laughs> I've got Walkman it on, out there? <laughs> on cassette tape. No, I've got it on, uh, I recorded it on my phone. It's really cool. The the rooster and then the cicadas. And then it got really weird looking. I was like, okay, this is a little odd. But it was really neat. I, I enjoyed that much more. It was much, much cooler than I had anticipated. So. All right, Michelle, we were talking about Joe and Cameron. Uh, we were and a couple uh, pieces of American literature that were interesting in the show. But Joe reveals some stuff back to Cameron after she tells him about Tom. Like he tells her that that um, her, his dad died. Yeah, he was, and how that changed him. Yeah, he was huge and imposing, and he made me feel small. And Cameron tells him that you are huge and imposing. Yeah, that was interesting, wasn't it? And then when he was at his funeral, he looked. His dad looked like the small one. Right, right, yeah. And and I I thought the the important part of that, of course, and he spelled it out, was that he then realized that the that he was a separate person and that he didn't have to make essentially the same mistakes that his father did. Oh, that was pretty cool. It also prompts Cameron to ask him if he did it make you want a family. Right. So, Michelle, explain your female side of this. Cameron wanted a family with Tom? Does she want a family with Joe? I don't think she wanted a family with Tom. Do you? Well, she says, I sprung it on Tom and he wasn't ready. He lit all up all happy and we started trying, but it didn't work and I was relieved. Right. She said she was, um, or that it was weird that Mother Nature had decided something she wasn't brave enough to decide on her own or whatever. I don't know. I'm not sure if Cameron wants a family, wants family with Joe, or... Just not she with just, Tom. Right. Or if she just didn't want one with Tom. I couldn't tell from the conversation. Did you get any feeling about it? No, I don't know. I can't see her being a mom, though. 
Yeah, I mean, I don't know. See, that's kind of like what we were talking about earlier. You know, we we're talking about how men, you know, and you said women change too, how men go through this, you know, kind of metamorphosis. It seems like a lot of times when they get to be a little older, I think that the metamorphosis a lot of times happens for women when they become moms. And so it tends to happen younger if it's going to happen for women. And I mean, I'm sure women who, you know, maybe who don't have children can have the same kind of thing happen later. But I just see that um, grow up thing happen younger with women a lot of times that uh, and it's not really grow up, but it's like realize what's, you know, the important things in life through their children. And I'm sure men do, too. I'm sure there's a lot of men that do that as well. But I just. It just seems to hit women younger, in my opinion, as a as a broad, you know, generalization. As a broad. <laughs> well, Joe. <laughs> and as a broad. Joe lets her off the hook or himself off the hook. He just says, it's so good to talk to you. Right after the mother nature decided for me and I got let off the hook. It's so good to talk to you. Like, it either lets her off the hook or himself. I uh, think Joe was saying he wanted a family with her. What do you think? I didn't get that detail. You didn't? No. Okay. He wasn't clear. He wasn't saying no, but I don't think he was hinting yes either. I don't think, uh, didn't he say something like, no, this isn't the part, I don't guess, where he said that he hadn't told anybody else this or something. I don't know. But Joe is so quiet and such a loner at this point that it just seemed like it was a real intimate thing to tell her and why so, would you say that to a woman as so a man? what was that egg geek sign egg geek sign that gets taken down donna and diane's office have this guy this guys taking down that sign um they're actually putting it up uh the k was the new guy coming in the trip guy and so they had to change their acronym oh the guy that doesn't like tanya okay i got it yeah yeah so um they talk about Donna taking over some stuff and the GPS and John and Diane says just something for him to do. Yeah, she says, I don't think he's really even interested in GPS. And I didn't really get that specifically either. But she said he's just restless. See, so she doesn't know the problem that's troubling Boz either. Right. It's funny right. to call him John. Like, John. Oh, I know. <laughs> I know. So Chet back back at uh, Gordon's company, Chet's dealing with MCI problems on Gordon's behalf. Mitch, Michelle, did I mention not to leave Chet in charge of stuff? You did. <laughs> or even Gordon, for that matter. They melt so fast under pressure. Well, right. But here you... Well, I mean, I thought Gordon did pretty good. But here you have... I mean, he's been trying to get a hold of Joe all day. And Joe... Yeah, you know, I guess this was before call waiting. You know, Joe is either not getting the calls or... Uh, you know, not answering them. I mean, they just don't come into work. And I look, I get the whole, I'm talking to somebody I haven't talked to in a long time. I've got this connection, but this, you know, don't call in, don't do anything. Don't even answer the phone when they call you seems irresponsible. It's like he takes on Cameron's persona whenever he's with her in a way. I know I'm being a little hard on Cameron. But. So was the, um, yeah, you're hard on all the women. Was uh, was the was the significant other person that Joe broke up with? Was that Ozzy? Yes. So that's what Joe and Cameron talk about next. Talk about Ozzy. 
And then he quickly pivots from that and tells her about the website of websites indexing idea. And uh, some guy knocks on Cameron's door, tries to give her a message, and essentially her game's been delayed. Her game sucks, Michelle. Let's let's call a spade a spade. <laughs> that game yeah, is the I... stupidest looking game. Well, so was Space Bike, though, and it was evidently a big deal, you know. But um, but yeah, I think they're making it pretty clear that this game is not it. And that was the Atari guy came. Yeah. He's like, you know, and not only are we not going to do it, but you have to write up a reason why. So you don't look like a, I guess, a big jackass or something. So um, Joe says, let me help you. I don't know why on earth he'd want to help her with that. Just let me help you with life. Let me be connected to you better, probably. Well, yeah, she was going to go, I think. You know, she said she needed to go and get this done. And he said, let me do it. He didn't want to break that connection yet. It was... So champagne's popping at Donna's office, and this is for that guy. Uh, Yes, Kisker. That's his last name, Kisker? Kisker, yeah. He's a 22X deal. He's brought a 22X deal to the company. Um, And they want to table the websites. Millennium's just a write-down. It's just a waste of time and money and resources. But Donna says, no, Rover is rocking it. Um, Tanya's going to lead it. And then they push back on that. The website is dumb. Tanya's just an mm. assistant. And Donna, for to credit her, she pushes back a little bit, bit on, you know, credit her on behalf of womankind and female equal rights and all that. She stands up for herself. I like that. She did, but they still won. She still didn't get who she wanted, right? Not yet. Not yet, but. And I mean, this guy just got there. Is is that like more indicative of the times and females? Well, we got there with a twenty-two X deal. <laughs> They're going to make twenty-two times their money on the deal he brought. So, boom, you're in. You're okay. you're the star. You go right to you go right to the head of the pyramid, dude. Okay. So Donna's deal could easily be a thousand X deal. Oh, or yeah, so. yeah. But this guy, what's his name? This trip, t- trip Kisker. Trip Kisker. It sounds like a dumb name he says the web is frontier land and they want an experienced person for rover um so Donna's- well, he didn't even want to do it and yeah. then when 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 she's like well it's really a good thing then he's like well i don't want to do it with her it's just like it's almost like and, and he's being condescending did you get that he's pissing on it yeah he's piss he's establishing his stupid dominance right right okay. so donna's gonna get what cameron who's Donna no gonna get? Didn't you notice she got Boz? Oh, that's right. You're right. Yeah. Yeah, at the end, she brought in Boz. But I think she's still keeping uh, Tanya in place because Tanya went down there, too. I think it's just not going to be, you know, called Tanya running it or whatever. Yeah, the deal needs to prove its own merit and get a little bit more traction. And then then once that happens, she can put whoever the hell she wants in charge of it. Right. Tanya's going to be turn out to be a superstar. We know it. This is just teed up that way. Yeah, I think so, too. So uh, Gordon struggles some more. Boz shows up. Um, they move Haley away from her spreadsheet work, and Boz, again, lightens the mood <laughs> like he does and annoys Gordon. Um, what was that? Okay, well, he's asking you... Gordon for a loan. Yeah. Okay. Now, as a guy, because I think girls might be different about this, or maybe not. Maybe it's just I'm different about this. What did you think about that? What was your take on it? Well, What's a man's 
Gordon says I can't do it because I'm right in the middle of you and Donna. And Donna and Diane are connected. And, I, you know, I guess I don't blame Gordon. But, I, you know, I don't know. If Gordon has all that money and Bosworth needs it, he just asked him for like 18000 It wasn't like $2 million. Right. I probably would have given it to him. I don't know, maybe on the sly or something. That's exactly what, what my husband, Mike, said. That's exactly what he said. He said that's his friend, you know, and it's not like he's doing something sinister, at least yeah. by what we're told, to Diane. I mean, of course you would have trouble with that, you know, if he were doing something that, you know. But, I mean, just to help him out. People are funny with money. It's it's their right to be however they are with it, I guess, is the, the best way. So... Yeah, but, you know, it's like Boz says. He says, you know, this is really not about the money. It's about this can't be my last thing. You know, he's like, you just turned 40. You've got a lot of tricks left. He's like, I'm 65. Right, but that's not about the money related to him. The money related to Gordon is it involves Donna and Diane and all that. that it's a whole different dynamic. That's why you have to let Gordon's answer be okay because it's a very subjective position. I get that, but to me, it makes Gordon seem weak. And I, maybe that's bad, and maybe I shouldn't feel that way. But, I mean, he's a grown man, and he's, like I said, he's not doing anything that is in any way portrayed to us as sinister, and he's not doing anything against anybody. You're just helping a friend. And if, if he would give it to somebody else, if he would do that to somebody else, I think he should do it with I'm Bob. I'm just not going to judge him. I'm going to accept his answer. Okay. Okay. So we learned some other important stuff here, like Diane and Boz are not married. I didn't actually know that. I thought they might have been married by this time. Right, right. They're not, though. So Gordon tells him no to the loan, can't get middle, in the middle of it. And Bosworth tells him sort of profoundly, I'm 65 and I can't let this be my last thing. Right. But this is exactly what the show needs, Michelle, getting the band back together. Like I said, they can't do that if... Bosworth's just happy polishing his boat in the driveway. He's got to need, he's, you know, he's got to need to work for something. That's a good point. All right, now, um, next important thing, Haley gets some Necco wafers. Remember Necco wafers? <laughs> I do. I was actually, for some reason, I was talking about those with my youngest daughter the other night. She'd never heard of them. And uh, just completely before this episode, before I'd seen them or anything, they I do not remember those being good. Do you? You know what they're like? They're essentially, they're like Tums. They're like powder formed into discs. Right. Like little powdered chalky bits of coins of sadness. I bet they are like Tums. Like they're, they absorb acid in your stomach and relieve your discomfort. discomfort. Do they? Well, I don't know. That's what Tums do. They're just chalk. <laughs> Flavored chalk. Um, that was funny. But Gordon, this is where Gordon sees... Haley's work on his computer. Um, and she, of course, likes Haley's Comet, being Haley. Right, right. <laughs> She likes Richard Pryor. And it's radical. It's rad. She finds... I don't know if she found that among Joe's notes, but I guess the hint is that she kind of did. That website, those website links on the front were... Um, right. Through Joe's post-its. She also brought up that C C plus plus. She said, you know, well, it's pretty easy. It's not like C plus plus or anything. And remember, they talked about that when they brought those guys on from uh, Swap Meet or whatever that other thing was called. It was like that was the big blow up. That's what 
eventually caused the big blow up, like uh, like Donna uh, uh, lying to Cameron about Diane not letting her fire those guys from Swap Meet and all that. All that was brought on about the C++. It was funny that Haley brought that up there. So Joe and Cameron continue to talk. Their phone call's going on forever here. And they, Joe says, don't let the Atari assholes take things away from you. And then they have to both take a piss break, which is kind of cute. They're both equally reluctant to admit they had to go to the bathroom. <laughs> yeah, that's what the mute button's for on the phone. So Gordon okay. Org- argues more about the bandwidth provider. There's just not enough capacity, period. It's going to kill them. They're going to need lawyers and strategy and... Well, yeah, Gordon thought they were just trying to shake him down. And then when he realized that they weren't going to give him any more any more space for anything, and then he realized that That's they were starting strategy. their own ice yeah. ride. Right. So Joe and Cameron again, they look, they're look they looking at the, the moon from two different viewpoints. I wonder if they lined that up with today with Michelle with the eclipse thing. Oh, I don't know. That's funny. Good call. I don't they had know. to know when this was going to be aired. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, Joe shows up at her door now. Phone calls over. Um, Donna's getting these crazy drinks. She hit this today's one is a pineapple winter grass and mint. Michelle, uh, yum. She, she takes Don- Tanya off the project and Boz is the new lead. So you're right. I forgot. I forgot about that. Joe and Cameron meet at a greasy spoon, and the They're show at the Waffle House. Well, greasy. It's greasy. <laughs> yeah. So Joe says, do you know what you want? And another and he home, is, another yeah. home run music hit comes on by the Christophers in music. Laid. That was a great song. Yep. And he is not talking about what do you want on the menu, I don't think. Uh, maybe not. Mm-mm. So then the end and the credits roll. It's the end. Yep. All right, Michelle. Well, that's it for this episode one and two of season four. Do you know what season, what episode three is? I do not. We I never, did not. I didn't. We always blow this. Uh, yeah. I didn't know. Any, I do know that of all nights, it's coming on on Saturday, which is terrible. Why are they putting this on on Saturday night? Is that wonder? the regular time for it now? Yes. Nine o'clock on Saturday night. Uh, I have no idea. Maybe that's what they had to do to get a season four. Ugh. I don't like that. Tanya and Nancy is the name. Hmm. Okay. Wonder who Nancy is. We know who Tanya is. I'm Michelle from Tennessee. How do people reach you? Um, on Twitter, at Michelle from TN. And I'm at Skating Tweets. So until next week. We'll see you next week. That's all we got. See that's you next it. week. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye.